Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, one and all, to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas, and we're here with Arthur Gervais, co-founder of the Liquidity Network. Hello, everybody. All right. And Arthur, let's jump right into it. Uh, tell us about the Liquidity Network. Who are you guys and what do you do? Yes. Um, so the main motivation of why we're working on the Liquidity Network is that um, in a tra- traditional financial system, you're always interacting with custodians. So basically, if you want to transmit funds from one person to the other, you generally pass through a bank. And the bank, they own your money mostly temporarily, but they own it um, while it's in transit from from A to B. So um, blockchains such as Bitcoin and Ethereum have allowed us to replace um, financial intermediaries that are custodians with a non-custodial system that is comprised of a decentralized network. Um, These blockchains, however, suffer from uh, fundamental problems such as the limited transaction throughput. And Liquidity Network is exactly solving this the throughput uh, of um, open and decentralized uh, blockchains. And, and so how did the uh, Liquidity Network come about? Like, what, what is it in your background that drew you to, to co-founding the company? Right. Um, I started in 2000. I mean, basically, my, my whole career is about IT security. Um, so I'm at heart kind of a, a hacker. 
um, the and blockchains what to me actually they're fundamentally about security because they're shifting the trust assumptions from a centralized entity to a decentralized network of peers um, depending on the blockchain those peers can join and leave at any time some of these are permissioned where you can like vote on who can join and who can leave but ultimately this all boils down to security is really who do you trust and why do you trust them um, so I have also formal education, so I have a computer engineering and, and master degrees in security, as well as a PhD from ETH Zurich on the topic of blockchain scalability, uh, security and privacy um, that I worked on from 2012 to 2016 full time. So this means basically I'm like over five to six years now in the blockchain space uh, full time. Oh, wow. Okay. And what would you say would be the ultimate mission or ultimate or ultimate goal of the liquidity network. What what is, what is what is the mission statement for the company? Right. Our vision is to revolutionize how people trade and interact. Um, and the liquidity network, you can think of it as a non-custodial finance intermediary. Um, and it's a it can reach performances uh, very comparable. I mean, basically the same performances by design as traditional custodian finance intermediaries. And this is this is basically our vision to really give back the the power to be custodian to the users. And so and so that kind of establishes that that need for the network then, you know, versus the traditional model. Right. Right. Exactly. So um in the liquidity network, if you're a member of the of the liquidity network, you can use your crypto uh, for example, the Ether crypto, you can use it and you can um, you can make it part of the liquidity network. So you can, let's say, create liquid, so-called liquid Ether. And this liquid Ether can be transmitted through the liquidity network for free uh, because it doesn't require any on-chain transactions. So it doesn't require blockchain transactions, which typically incur certain transaction costs um, that are due to the miners for them to include those transactions in the blockchain. Um, so transactions that are performed in the liquidity network, they are not directly included in the blockchain, but their security is guaranteed through smart contracts that are actually recorded and, and that are checking the policies uh, regularly on the blockchain. And so if I'm just getting started with the liquidity network, you know, signing up, what, what is that? what is that starting process like? What happens day one? How would I sign up? How do I get involved? Right. You can think of it. Uh, so we have an actually currently a, a mobile beta uh, invite only uh, application. So you can think of it as simply installing a mobile app. And this mobile app gives you a wallet. So it gives you an Ethereum wallet. Uh, you charge this wallet with standard Ethereum. And then you just hit a button and you create liquid Ether out of your standard Ether. And as soon as you have liquid ether, you can send this liquid ether to another participant who also has this wallet uh, or who is part of the network. I mean, ultimately, we will be open source so that everyone can actually create uh, their own wallets for, for the liquidity network. Um, but ultimately, the, the idea is that you can transact this liquid ether with peers that also support liquid ether. Ah, so, you can, so you can basically just transform it from one to the other in order to use it. Right. So our wallet is, is a mobile app. And this is a very traditional standard um, crypto wallet. So it's like any crypto wallet that you know nowadays that, that where the user has access to their private key. That's, that's actually important. Some wallets, they don't allow the users to have 
to have this control. But uh, there, are, there are many wallets out there where the user is custodian of their funds, so they have access to their private key and, and only the user does. And the same applies to our wallet. So if you open a, like this Ethereum wallet, uh, you can just like charge it with some Ether that you have from some exchange uh, or that some friend sends you to your Ethereum address. And uh, then you can, yeah, it's basically just, it's similar to creating a token. Uh, yeah, you can think of it like creating a token um, that is literally, uh, that allows you to, to transmit this token further um, at no cost because it's it's done it's done through the liquidity network and um it's still sent to the same addresses to the same type of ethereum addresses as they are if you would send ether okay and then and then forming the network uh, what are some of the difficulties that that you ran into when you were putting together the liquidity network? Um, so fundamentally, the, the design of a non-custodial finance intermediary is an innovation. So we have not seen any, uh, to the best of my knowledge as an academic researcher, we have not seen such a construction that allows to reach um, by design the, the, the throughput of traditional custodians. So the first, I would say, obstacle was to actually invent the system because it doesn't exist yet or it didn't yet. Um, so this in itself is an innovation and it requires to have a proper security analysis, to have a proper uh, design, uh, and we had to basically test it and also implement it and to see whether it's actually operational. Um, so this was, I would say, the, yeah, the first hurdle. Um, and besides this, uh, the next hurdle is to, to get the users opportunity. Uh, to grow the network. So we are currently since two months in a, in a beta mode on the Ethereum testnet. So you can test it basically with your own um, Ethereum wallet. So it's on wallet.liquidity.network and it's fully operational and it supports the features that are required for you to transact liquid Ether uh, for free to another user. Um, and I believe that the main obstacles now is to is the user adoption and to convey this concept of once you create Ether, uh, and once you create liquid Ether, uh, you can transfer this for free among your peers. Um, and so this, yeah, I think the, the biggest obstacle for us now is uh, usability and to convey to users what it means, what it actually does. Uh, I think this is uh, the most important part. And so is it a lot of early adopters who are kind of in the system now and, and you're kind of working toward wider adoption? Is that is that kind of where you are now? Or? Right. Currently, we're really in, in the early stages. I mean, we've been live since two months on the on the testnet. Uh, most people that are on testnet are really early adopters, so very early adopters, actually. Um, uh, by no means mainstream. The current application is also requires you to have like some browser extension. Maybe you've heard about MetaMask, which allows you to 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 manage your your wallet in your browser. Um, but we are we are in the process of releasing a mobile app, which makes everything much more simple. Um, where yeah, basically it really it just have you basically just have a few buttons, and it explains to you oh this if you create this then you can send this to a friend for free. Um, yeah. And so it sounds like you you kind of have the foundation set, but I'm uh, but I'm thinking that uh, you probably have more features that are coming. Yes. Um, so. Besides the simple transfer of Ether, uh, we will support the transfer of ERC-20 tokens. So ERC-20 tokens are just tokens that are um, added on the Ethereum blockchain. 
and there, there are many tokens out there, over hundreds of tokens that, that can be transacted. So transfer is one property that we can perform over a uh, over a liquidity uh, network, over the liquidity network. The other feature that we can do is to make an atomic swap uh, between two participants. So if you and me, we want to trade, for example, one Ether for X tokens, um, then we can do so over the liquidity network. And maybe you're familiar with um, traditional exchanges that allow you to first deposit funds into uh, in, into a custodian, so for example, corporations such as Kraken, Bitfinex, um, these are custodian exchanges, so you send them the, your funds and then you trade on, on those custodians. In the liquidity network, um, you still remain custodian of your own funds, but you can create, you can actually trade, you can create these atomic swaps between a pair of Ether, ERC20 token or ERC20 token with ERC20 token. And so uh, as, as the liquidity network kind of moves forward, what, what would you say are some of the main achievements that you guys have accomplished so far? I know we talked about the difficulties, but what is what are a couple of the big wins that you, you would say you've had so far? Right. So I think the, the biggest achievement is actually to invent the whole system. Um, if, you, if you speak to a lot of, um, in particular, academics in the space, uh, they also say that only and only if the blockchain space comes up with a non-custodial finance intermediary solution that can that can achieve the same bandwidth and and, and trading speeds as traditional custodians, uh, already already then the blockchain was a success for for mankind. Um, so I think this in itself is is a substantial improvement uh, over the existing uh, market space. So it actually allows completely new business models. So you can think of like a traditional bank offering not only traditional bank accounts, but like new bank accounts where they tell you, look, this bank account here, we are not handling your money. We are not actually owning your money. You still own your money at any time, but we offer you these, these are these services on top of it. And this is something that we haven't seen yet before. There's no company that offers a financial service without actually owning your money, right? So this in itself, I think, is a, is a big achievement. Um, so we have recently also been um, uh, endorsed by Vitalik Buterin. So he tweeted about us that he's very excited to, to see us go live. And um, I understand this because we, we are basically providing a scaling solution for Ethereum, uh, which allows you to perform uh, thousands of transactions per second uh, and allows you to scale to millions of users. So naturally, it's very important for, for current blockchains to, to scale properly and to, to offer, a, um, to offer a, yeah, I would, I would say the liquidity network allows traditional businesses to integrate blockchain um, because what a traditional business requires are typically service level agreements. So you need a guaranteed transaction throughput. You want to have a, um, a minimum or guaranteed availability, like of 99.99% of the time. Um, you want to be sure that there is no volatility in in terms of uh, uh, transaction costs. You want to be sure that the uh, actual value of the transmitted funds is not very volatile. And all these things can be actually provided by the liquidity network while still operating on a open and decentralized blockchain. And so I know you mentioned that traditional businesses will be able to take part 
are there certain types of businesses that are that work better with the liquidity network features as opposed to others? Um, I I would say that in particular current financial institutions of like actually current intermediaries financial intermediaries they might be very interested into looking at providing uh, the intermediate services justice and non-custodian in order to mitigate their risks. So if you look at uh, exchanges, uh, like I mentioned, the centralized exchanges, they could, for example, um, adapt our technology in order to become more resistant to, uh, to cyber attacks. So instead of getting hacked and losing all the funds that they have in their hot wallets, they could simply um, adopt the, the non-custodial finance intermediary solution that allows atomic swaps. And this would make them much less vulnerable to, to to security attacks and hacks from from malicious entities. And so when and so when putting together this this new product, this this new entity, the liquidity network, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of ideas thrown around in terms of things that people want to do or, or ideas, just general ideas that they have. Are there any developments or ideas that have been kind of thrown out there where you say, well, it's a little too soon to for us to be able to do that, but maybe a year or two down the road, we'd be able to do it. Hmm. Um, I mean, we're we're actually quite quick in terms of of developing and also in terms of um, building the network. So we officially only uh, advertised our product in November 2017. Um, we already showed in November a first beta that we had internally. In March, we released the open beta on the on the testnet in june we are planning the mainnet so that you actually can then actually start uh, sending no more play money but real ether over the liquidity network in uh, the quarter three of this year we're planning the exchange uh, where you can do the atomic swap of uh, of erc20 uh, tokens and ether uh, while again going over liquidity which is a non-custodian um and uh, from there, basically, we are taking it forward to to see what what what's going to come. I I see that fundamentally important for adoption is the the mobile app because uh, once you install install our mobile app, you are actually directly part of the liquidity network. So you don't you're not required to have any any crypto installed uh, or like you, you're not required to own any crypto. And you could, for example, just give me five bucks uh, when you are with me, and then I'm sending you um, five bucks worth of crypto off chain over the liquidity network, which doesn't cost me anything in terms of transaction fees. Uh, and then you have already like so-called liquid ETH or liquid tokens that you can forward to your friends directly um, or wherever you're purchasing goods. Uh, and and in in terms of a roadmap for the company itself, what what does that look like for you guys a couple of years out? So we see each other as uh, we we see ourselves as um, kind of the PayPal of blockchain. So in in PayPal, you have heard that uh, you you might have heard that um, many people get their funds frozen, uh, their 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 PayPal accounts closed. Uh, they basically can no longer take out their money. Um, and we envision ourselves as really a non-custodial system where no one can steal your money. No one can decide, okay, I'm going to close this bank account now. Um, and that's that's crucial for, for internet where anybody wants to interact with anyone. Um, 
Moreover, um, the current fees for for micropayments, um, like the way of how to to pay websites or services or YouTube streams or video streams in general for per minute or even per second, um, are kind of not there, and they all need to go through a through a custodian through a bank. And with the liquidity network, you can enable all these services uh, while guaranteeing that users always remain custodians of their own funds. So there's never any there's never any worry about that that third party uh, having to have approval of what you're doing or how you're transaction transacting. Then, so the liquidity network is built on, out of uh, so-called payment hubs. So it's a network. You can think of it as a network of payment hubs. Um, and if you're connected to a payment hub, the hub can decide to not allow your payment. So it's like similar to a bank. The bank can decide to not uh, allow your your transfer to move forward because maybe it has some information that maybe you actually don't want to make this payment or maybe the recipient is fraudulent, etc. The same can, can is actually possible in the liquidity network. So the hub that is working in the liquidity network can decide to deny service uh, in the sense of not forwarding funds. Um, I believe this is actually a good thing because it can offer additional uh, business services such as user user fund protection because sometimes people uh, cannot protect their funds properly. So the institution that is kind of the intermediary can uh, take certain precautions in order to protect the end user. Um, however, if the intermediary is acting maliciously, the user can choose to withdraw their funds at any point in time. So the intermediary might deny access, but it cannot force you to not use your funds somewhere else. And this is the, the central part of, uh, of giving people the, the control back of their own funds while still being able to offer uh, appropriate business um, recommendations. Okay, and in terms of any final thoughts or big takeaways that our audience should take from this interview when they when they think about the liquidity network when they're thinking about going to engage with it what what's the big takeaway they should get from hearing about it right so the next time that the uh, the blockchain is congested or that the transaction prices grow significantly so in bitcoin you had like uh, over 50 dollars on average for a transaction uh, fee uh, which is substantially higher than than traditional banking payments uh, so next time this happens on Bitcoin or Ethereum, you can use the liquidity network because in the liquidity network, um, payments between regular users will remain for free. So this means that you can still hold your crypto assets and transfer them in a liquid manner to your peers, but without needing to pay uh, horrendous transaction fees. Oh, great. Well, uh, and Arthur, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and, or, and with the network? Uh, the best way is just to drop by on liquidity.network. That's the domain uh, and the URL of the of the of, of our effort. Great. Well, 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 thank you, Arthur, for coming in and being a part of our podcast and, and sharing your information with us. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters 
are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first. In their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.